What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. You're like, Brian! Yeah, Brian! <laughs> What's your deal, man? Well, you know what us ultra-liberals say. When it comes to drugs, lies are okay. Your midweek download destination. Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanooga. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years... Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody. You have found the weekly dose for July 12th, 2017, your midweek download destination. Got a busy show, a busy, busy, busy show. So much to get to, so little time. You hear that on a bunch of FM talk radio shows a lot. Usually they just mean they're trying to kill some time because they don't have anything to get to. They're making it up as they go. At least that's what some of the local talk products do around here. But you found the most downloaded, the most listened to, the most easily accessible podcast in the city of Chattanooga. My name is Brian Stone, at Stone on Air on all social media. I am going to get right to it quickly today. Coming up in the super secret internet-only segment that you can get at stoneonair.com and 10 a.m. every Wednesday on chattanoogatalks.com. I'm going to talk about the finalists for the Chattanooga Police Chief and some of the requirement adjustments that were made a couple of weeks ago that I didn't get a chance to comment on when it happened. And I like the adjustments, and I want to talk about that a little bit in the very final segment that you can get at the website stoneonair.com or streaming live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. on chattanoogatalks.com. All right. So this past weekend, uh, I was over at the Station Street Second Saturdays and uh, the live um, concert series. It's the second Saturday of each month, starting whenever it was, three weeks ago, three months ago, I should say, and then for the next two, August and uh, September. It was a lot of fun and recorded a live show there. Thanks, uh, Monica and Adam, Kenzie, Mike Dewar, TJ Griever, Dave, uh, Dave Weinthal, who were my guests. At least Mike, TJ, and Dave were. Uh, thanks to Reed for logistics and everything else. That was a lot of fun. Um, the new StoneOnAir.com brainstorm and pricing meeting went today, so hopefully in the coming uh, month or two, there'll be a completely rebranded new website with a complete different focus. More on that as I figure out more. I did see this the other day. iTunes is rebranded, and this is actually a couple months ago. I just missed it, as Apple Podcasts. And um, I noticed that one of the shows I listen to a lot, t- or excuse me, watch TV shows, Pardon the eruption at the end, instead of saying download on iTunes, they've been saying for the last while, available on Apple Podcasts. So Apple has rebranded its iTunes podcast offering as Apple Podcasts, encapsulating the podcast directory and the client podcast app available on iPhone and iPad. This is from 9to5mac.com. Named as Apple Podcasts, it clearly aligns the product in the same ballpark as Apple Music. This has immediately sparked speculation that Apple could launch a podcast subscription service mirroring their $9.99 Apple Music offering to provide a platform for podcast monetization and premium shows. I don't see that happening. I hope that doesn't happen. Trust me, this show will never be available anywhere that you have to pay for it. At least it might be available there, but it'll also be available in every free way possible. So this show will never cost you any money. 
Let's see what's coming up over the course of today's show. The Stone's Throw segment. Have you ever heard of the Sandwich Generation? You likely haven't because I just made it up. <laughs> it's actually got another name that somebody else gave it to it, and it's a generation I've never heard of. And it turns out it's my generation. So what is the Sandwich Generation? We'll do that in Stone's Throw. Uh, the Millennial Bernie Bro types. Um, thoughts on what's the problem and who's to blame and who's the problem that I've had some conversations with here, and we'll do that in the third segment, third and final segment of the podcast, a standalone edition, in just a little bit. And that's going to kind of piggyback and bounce off of the next segment and a half where I talk about what is a true millennial? what, Who are they? What do they do? How do they think? And how do we sum them up in one simple sentence? Get to that here in just a couple minutes as well. The G20 Summit is wrapped up, and I've got a couple thoughts on that and a viral video, some audio from an Australian reporter that I'll get to that kind of summarizes his view on the summit meeting in Hamburg, Germany, just last week. And what I've come to figure out more and more, and I've said it for a while, it's not about math. It's not about, you know, if you were born between 1980 and so-and-so, if you were born in 1982, through this, blah, 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 that's not, that's not what this is. Generational behavior is not measured with a calculator. And since really post-World War II is when generations have been more definely evaluated. I don't know how much generational behavior changed for 150 years prior to that. It probably did plenty, but modern history is normally what I concern myself most with. But it's a lifestyle. A true millennial is a lifestyle. It's expectation. It's standards. It's goals. It's approach. That's the true measurement of what is or isn't a millennial. My definition of what a true, real millennial is is an adult who has never known the real primitive times of Internet usage, meaning has always had a cell phone, has always had Internet connectivity, has always had social media, has always had a mobile device of some kind, as a way to be entertained, as a way to navigate, as a way to educate, as a way to, uh, to, to, to further a lifestyle. If you've always had that in your life, then you are a true millennial. This will generally put you in between the ages of 25 and 32, meaning graduating high school in the neighborhood of 2006, 2004, 5, 6, 7, somewhere in that, in that area, putting you at the ages of 25 to 32, that is the true millennial. And recently, in the last year or so, but I've had a pretty effective sample size of time spent with what I categorize as true millennials. And I'm not being a hater here. There's a lot to like about these these kids. There's a lot to not like about them, but that's true with every generation. That's true with every category, category of any person out there. But in the last nine to ten months, a little more casual, less consistent basis, I've been around a lot of 25-plus to 25- to 30-year-olds. In the last 60 to, seven, 60 to 70 days, I've been in constant contact and conversation and social circles with middle 20-somethings. I've mentioned it plenty of times over the past. When I was younger, I hung out with people older. As I've gotten older, I hang out with people younger. I don't know. People my age are either drug addicts or married with kids. <laughs> when you live a lifestyle like I do, I don't fit in with either one of those. But here's what I've come to find out, and it's very, very simple in reference to the true millennial generation. You ready? There's an expletive in here, all right? It's a podcast. Luckily, I can do that. Millennials don't give a shit. Millennials don't give AF. 
True millennials don't have any Fs to give. You know what I mean by that. Millennials do not give a shit. It's that simple. One small sentence. They don't care. They don't care how you do things, and they don't care how you used to do things. Precedents don't generally mean anything. That's not important to how this generation moves forward. Now, there's pros and cons to this, like anything else in, a, in, in life. Pros and cons everywhere. Examples of a pro, a positive, traditional workforce perception. You know, the traditional baby boomer way of handling corporate America. How many hours did he work? Did he work 40 hours? He only worked 37 hours. He's got to work 40. Meanwhile, the millennial generation, especially in the tech world, but in, in every, every opportunity that a smart, well-educated, which there's more educated people now than ever, try to figure out a way to more effectively and more time efficiently get work done, if they can get 40 hours worth of work done in 20, well, the old traditional way of thinking says, well, okay, well, then, you know, we're, we're, we, we got, they're not working enough. We haven't, we, we got to pay them as much. When in reality, if I can do something in 20 hours effectively that it took you 40, I'm twice as valuable as you. And not only am I, shouldn't I not be devalued, I should be paid double because I did it twice as efficient. That's a pro to the way millennials think in the workplace and in the marketplace. They don't give a shit how you used to do it. And here's where I come, where, my opinion on, on, a, on a con, on a negative, on this mindset and in this approach. The lack of respect for just general history and all the way around, to me, I, I find to be troubling of a true millennial. The lack of historical perspective and, the, and its importance of the cur- current approach and concern is concerning to me. But so it's bad with the good, bad with the good. I'll give you a perfect example of, of like, I, I'm a collector of dated documents, newspapers, uh, magazines, concert posters, handbills, um, anything that kind of documents, a t- uh, that, that, that can be tangible, that documents a, a a portion of time, a portion of my history, a portion of America's history. I've talked to plenty of people that look at this like, why are you collecting this crap? Why would you want a newspaper from 1999? Look it up online. It's that lack of historical perspective and and appreciation for things in the past. I find that to be a little bit troubling, but that's fine. Bad with the good. But how has that happened? How has it happened that true millennials don't care about those kinds of things? Precedence doesn't mean anything. Old is bad, only new is good. Old is never good, only new is good. How does this happen? When you're raised on technology, you lose appreciation for primitive everything. And to understand how great something is, you need to grasp how inefficient it used to be. You'll never realize how great something is if you didn't understand how bad it used to operate. iPad's outdated, get a new one. Phone's Needs updates or is a year and a half old? Junk it. Get a new one. Computer, whatever the device is. Update it, update it, update it. Can't update it anymore? Get a new one. Millennials don't have any fond memories of their outdated technology. There's nothing charming about your outdated technology. The things that I have that I've collected that I've kept over the years, from radios to electronics to uh, whatever tangible items, books, DVDs, uh, different kind of appliances of sorts, 
There's a charm to that. I understood where we came from. I understand where we've gotten to. And those memories are fond to me. But a millennial is just update or replace when something new comes along. And it's because they don't understand. They don't have that perspective because they've had this high-tech technological world in their hands since the minute they can remember, since they started forming vivid memories. And old technology is deemed useless by most all of us. That's not just them. That's all of us. Old technology is junk. There's no reason to hold on to an iPad 10 years old. It's not any good anymore. You don't look back and sit around, man, man, look at this iPad. Remember that back in 2005? That thing, that sure was fun. Nope, you chunk that thing in the garbage and you move along. So I'm not blaming them. I'm not mad. I'm just kind of putting in perspective what an actual true millennial is. They don't understand, and they can't understand, and they can't be blamed for that. This is how they handle their devices. This is how they handle their connectivity, and this is how they handle their pastimes. And this is how they approach real life. The bottom line is the true millennial doesn't give a shit. And you can't make them. And most of them are actually doing some incredible things in the world of technological advances and workplace improvements and work ethic and work standards. You take the bad with the good. But I don't want to be called a millennial. And I don't really want to be called Gen Xer either. So what am I? What is this new generation I'm calling the sandwich generation. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. What? What? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? I've always said that Gen X is one of the most boring generations of all time. That they had so many opportunities to do so many good things and squandered them all. And then after a while, I got to thinking, I mean, but I don't think that includes necessarily me and everybody that I know, but I think it includes a lot of people I know because, again, back to the fact that I have a lot of older friends. And I put them closer to the Gen X category, but I also put a lot of people I know that are closer to my age in that category. Also been told countless times, especially on that old uh, boring radio station, Amateur Radio 102.3 Fraud Radio, I had also, you know, people would call up if they didn't like my younger person take on something. They'd be like, oh, you millennials, you're just, I'm like, don't call me a millennial, bro. Don't do that. I mean, that just makes it sound like you're, not, you're just, you're just, you know, you're simpleton. You're not putting any thought into what you're trying to say. You're trying to be offensive or at least just, you know, antagonistic um, because you know when I was talking prior in that segment that I've made sure and labeled myself something outside of that because I'm not a millennial because I, I, I grew up in primitive technology. I grew up without cell phones. I grew up without regular connectivity. Now, I had internet the dial-up and all that crap at a pretty young age. But that's that stuff did barely worked. Right? That's that's a totally different thing. I didn't have my first cell phone until I was 19 going on 20. All right? If you're an adult and you didn't have a cell phone, you're, you're not a millennial. So it fell right in between that. So Nathan Gale, one of my former producers and a videographer and just all-around good dude and longtime friend of mine, posted this piece on my um, one of my social medias from, I don't even remember, some Seattle uh, blog. And it's called, Apparently There's a New Generation That We Can Judge. And the reason I called it a sandwich 
generation is because I was reading something about the MLB draft the other day. I'm a big baseball fan, uh, like all sports, but baseball the most, and reading about the sandwich picks from this past year. And the sandwich picks are the picks that are given to teams through compensation because of free agency, and you get to pick a a handful of picks between the first round and the second round. So there's depending on how many of those free agency picks that were given out, I'm already boring you, I know, so I'll stop, but however many they are, there could be – upwards of uh, all the many teams are 30 some odd picks that are in between round one and round two hence sandwich picks so i, was like, oh, I guess it's kind of like the sandwich generation huh well no this piece is calling it zennials with an x zennials and just a couple pieces uh, here from this and then i've got a little uh one minute clip that i got off of their uh, website from that blog in seattle It would appear that some social scientists were really struggling to draw a clear division between the flannel-wearing generalization of the generation known as Gen X and the tech-obsessed labels thrown as millennials. So they decided to form a micro-generation known as Xennials. Do you like the occasional selfie but have no idea how to use Snapchat? Maybe you're bummed after those long nights didn't pay off come promotion time, but not screaming from the rooftops that life is over. Sound familiar? You could be what a sociology professor from Australia calls a Xennial. It sounds like a type of flower, but actually, Xennials are a micro-generation between the Gen X grungers and tech-savvy narcissistic millennials, a generation born between seven and 83. As children, they spent more time outdoors without the pressures of uploading to social media, and they consumed traditional media like newspapers. They didn't grow up with participation trophies, cell phones, and Facebook, but they had AOL dial-up. Sorry, we needed a moment to recover. And Xennials are just young enough to catch up with the tech boom, to some degree at least, which could explain why people over 30 don't know how to use Snapchat. And for the record, I know very well how to use Snapchat and actually like it uh, somewhat anyway. Thank you very much. The University of Melbourne professor is named Dan Woodman. He says, we hit this technology revolution before we were maybe in that frazzled period of our life when kids had no time to learn anything new. We learned to consume media and became of age before there was Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all these things where you could still watch the evening news or read the newspaper or listen to the radio. Good Magazine pointed out in 2014 that people born around 1980, that's when I was born, have been told they don't quite fit either generation. The authors of this piece from Good Magazine are two last names I can't say very well, so I'll just say Sarah and Jed. From Good Magazine, quote, We landed in a fleeting sweet spot before the recession that plagued the millennials' launch, yet we were still young enough that when the market crashed, we hadn't yet invested much and didn't lose as many homes or as much of our retirement savings, unlike many of the Gen Xers. And I think that's a a, a perfect way to put it. Xennials. 19, again, it's not about math and it's not about a calculator, but 1977 to 1983, there's that six-year swing where most people born in that window, and it might be 84, even 85, and it could be 76 or 74. I mean, I don't, it, again, it's a mindset, it's a lifestyle, it's an approach, it's a, it's a way of life that determines what generation you tend to live your life like. It's not about math. But somewhere in that range, if you were born there, you're too young to be a Gen Xer and you're too old to be a millennial. And whilst negative connotation comes with both of them at times, 
most of the time, negative connotation comes with the millennials. And I know it sounds like I'm hating on them a little bit, but I'm not. I said a lot of my friends right now that I spend a lot of time with and upwards of recently almost every day with are in this category. And I, I love to hear their, uh, their perspective. I love to hear their take on, on the on it, burning issues of the day. I'm interested as almost just a case study as to what their ideology is and why. And sometimes it's frustrating because to me it doesn't make sense. And sometimes I'm frustrating to them because to them it doesn't make sense. Because when you don't understand and you, you, you know, ignorance is a powerful thing, only thing that gets past ignorance is the willingness and acceptance to learn and sometimes just straight up experience. And a handful of times I've had some closer to arguments with people involving more polarizing subjects like the President of the United States and what we should do going forward as far as who we should elect, how we should handle the two-party system, and how America as a whole should run from a policy and ideological standpoint. And that is what I'll get into next. I don't get into arguments with people often. I get into lively conversation, sometimes stern debates. I rarely get into what you would consider arguments, and I never get into name-calling contests. But there's been a handful of times where I've had a few conversations where I was like, really, dude? You're really going to go down this road? And I'll give you a couple examples of that coming up next involving the President of the United States, who should or shouldn't be the next President of the United States, and also some audio from that Australian uh, ABC News journalist who was went viral earlier this week in his assessment of Don Trump at the G20 Summit in Germany. All coming up next on the most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga. Like, share, and always love. Rate and review anywhere on podcasting apps or anywhere that will allow you at all, for that matter. If you get a chance, please. This is the Stone On Air podcast and the weekly dose for July 12th, 2017. And I will be right back. Stone on air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. I'm about to be hashtag best show ever guy before I get to the next segment. Cause I love God Feel so manly When I Sorry about that April 16th 2016 Was 400 and 53 days ago, you might be thinking, so what, dude? <laughs> What's your point? On that day, a Saturday, in Greenville, South Carolina, in one of the worst weeks and worst Aprils I've ever had, all personal circumstantial stuff, doesn't matter, it's not important. Not anymore, anyway. 
on one of the most gorgeous weather days, 71 degrees and just a few puffy clouds in the sky. Pearl Jam played at the Bond Skewer whatever financial stadium arena on that gorgeous day in South Carolina and proceeded to play 33 songs. 33 songs that were absolutely incredible. And unannounced, with very little prior thought or premeditation going into it, played the entire album of verses start to finish. For the first time in the history of 25 years of this legendary band. Walked away saying, best show ever, best show ever. But hold on, I don't want to be best show ever guy. I'll just talk to somebody who went to Metallica on Sunday. Oh, man, that was the best show ever. I guarantee you that wasn't the best show you've ever seen. Prisoner of the moment, man. Prisoner of the moment. 453 days later, I can look at that set list. I can remember where I was. I can remember how I was feeling. And I can clearly and definitively say that show was the best show ever. So, in case you wondered, 37 years, 20, almost four or so, five of them going to concerts, maybe not quite that many. See, I was 15, 14 or 15 the first time I went to a show, uh, like a real show, like by myself or without, you know, a parent. So, uh, what's that math on that? 10 off of 37 is uh, 27, and then four more off of that is 23. So, 23 or four years Later, I can tell you definitively that that was the best show ever. I appreciate you guys finding the podcast, however it is that you do so. Any of the social media apps that you use, which one, of course, if you're an iPhone user, would be the old iTunes. It's now Apple Podcast. And uh, anywhere you get it, or if it's just at the website, stoneonair.com, which will have a revamp coming up here very soon. So, talking about millennials, what are true millennials? What's that new generation, Zennials? Um, Is it that important uh, that you're labeled correctly? I actually think that it is because they are very, very different mindsets and very, very different um, lifestyles. And so I was having several arguments with people, or at least like I mentioned a minute ago, not necessarily arguments, lively conversations, sometimes uh, heated, sometimes not really at all, but sometimes very, very quality. And every now and again, they get a little stupid. When they get dumb, I just back away and I say, okay, I'm done. But I, I was a couple in particular, and there's been several with different people that are all kind of similar, and they come from kind of that Bernie bro kind of guy or gal, the blow it up guy or gal, the one that doesn't want to 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 go forward with anything traditional and just let it let Trump be president. I don't care. I don't care who's president. Just blow it up. Well, what I say to that is, first of all, right off the bat, is that I'm over halfway through my life. I'm not interested in blowing it up, right? I'm not interested in some kind of major revolution that's going to take generations to perfect and has no guarantee of any kind of real actual success. Not that the two-party system and the traditional system is guaranteeing, quote-unquote, success, but at least it guarantees familiarity and a semblance of order, all right? And I don't vote the way I do because I, the party tells me to. It just so happens that Democrat policy and ideology is generally how I believe. Not every last bit of it, but damn near most of it. I'm a liberal. Shocker, right? I'm not a crazy liberal. 
not a moderate liberal. I'm where I am. But I don't dislike Republicans. I got I could name this sounds like the, you know, the I'm trying not to be racist. I've got best friends that are black guy. But I've got I can name five right off the top of my head. Long time, incredible friends that are true, real Republicans. And I'd say all five of them, too, are true, real Christians as well. They're authentic. They're real. I don't dislike those people. And I understand exactly why they believe how they believe. And I understand exactly how they, why they vote how they vote. I'm not mad about that. And most of those people understand exactly why I do why I, what I do. And why I believe the way I believe. And why I vote the way that I vote. And they're not mad at that either. They don't agree with it, but they're not mad at me. And so more than once now, I've gotten into this conversation with a younger millennial guy or gal, both, men and, men and women, who genuinely think that I'm part of the problem. And here's a, one of the specific reasons as to why. Uh, before, let me back up. It, I, for the last year and a half, I've been saying, you know, kind of jokingly, but, but, but somewhat seriously, uh, started the hashtag, which never got any kind of real trend or anything like that. I'm not trying to, 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 to pretend that that happened. Hashtag, it's basic vote Kasich. You know, John Kasich, the governor from Ohio. One of the only adults in the room during that Republican primary last year. Hashtag, it's basic vote Kasich. And so I've had a couple arguments here with these younger folks who are like, so you just, you just, you, you don't vote Republican, huh? Uh, no. So you're saying you never would? Not based on the current policy of the party, it is li- not likely, no. Oh, so you're just company, you just, just go right along uh, company lines or party lines, huh? No, I go along party lines because of ideology and policy that lines up with the way that I authentically believe in, in, um, in real life. That's, that's why. And also, I have spent the last year and a half advocating for a Republican nominee who I think would have been better than the Democratic nominee for president named John Kasich. Most anybody I've had these conversations with have never even heard of the guy, and he just ran for president the other day. He's not exactly a very good TV show, so they didn't bother to pay attention to him. So what? What, what if? Uh, what if Republicans change the way they uh, the, 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 their, their 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 policy and thoughts? Well, then that would be different, dude. But that's not how it works. If you haven't noticed, that's not going to happen. That Republican has no shot. Oh, so you're saying so you're on you the two party system you're you're for? No, no, I'm not necessarily. If there were other real options, but sorry, Bernie bro, there aren't any other real options. No viable, real, logical options. So no, what I think we should do, and this is what we're talking about narratives and the media and things that you you know you're getting spoon fed to to the uh, consumers. So what I think there needs to be is less Russia. Maybe even do away with Russia conversation all the way around for a little bit. Let it breathe a little bit. Because I'm not sure how real all that is. And let's get a narrative out there of who can be the next Democratic nominee that has a chance to, to get this maniacal demagogue out of the office. That's what I think the narrative should be. And I think that is a positive step in the right direction for the party that I vote for. I mean, you think I just said uh, elect Hitler. You're, man, you're, 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 you're the problem, man. You're the problem, bro. Okay, wise guy. <laughs> what is it we were supposed to do here? And then you get nonsensical. Well, I mean, I'm not really, I, I don't know, but I just, just blow it up. Okay, just, just blow it up and start over. Yeah, nice try, dude. I'm going on 40 years old. I'm not interested in blowing it up. You're coming to me with cockamamie, made up, pie in the sky ideas to, to blow it up. 
And I'm coming to you with an actual solution. I'll give you the uh, high-end corporate America, super businessman cliche. Don't come to me with problems. Come to me with solutions. I just came to you with a solution. You came to me with a problem. As things are constituted right now, I think it's best for the country, for my best interest, that the narrative turn into who can be the next best Democrat to win. And that pisses a Bernie bro off so bad you can't believe it. And this is coming from people who generally have been old enough to vote for, like, one administration. This is coming from people who don't know what the 3rd Congressional District consists of. These are, these are people that often haven't voted for a governor. These are people who m- might have difficulty naming the states, the, excuse me, the, the United States senators from Tennessee. There's no chance they can name s- state senators. I know, you know people my age and 10, 20 years older than me that can't name those. They're, these are people who have never voted for county commissioner. I mean, these are people who often have only been old enough to even consider voting for barely 10 years. And who, when they're 18, is running around and voting? Usually it takes you a handful of years to get into mature a little bit before you really start voting. I mean, I, 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 I have a huge sample size. I have a lot of friends that are younger, and I like them all. They wouldn't be my friends if I didn't like them. But, man, I'm telling you, it, it, it really is this, this level of, of arrogance mixed with ignorance, mixed with narcissism, that is not just a young person thing. It's a, it's a all walk of life thing. But that just kind of, as I have a conversation here with you about the different generations, I just, I think sometimes it is, it is so frustrating. And now I can see it. I can, I can feel people 10, 20 years older than me are like, are you kidding me, dude, over the last 20 years? Because <laughs> I know I sounded stupid when I was young, too. And we all did. But save me the Bernie bro talking points that you saw on Snapchat the other day. Save me that that meme that you saw on Instagram the other day. I, I need some some authenticity here. I need some actual real conversation pieces and some real ideological theory, not just let's blow it up, bro. It's not that simple. The G20 summit just wrapped up last week. This is something I spend a lot of time caring about. Not a whole lot, but um, it is it is important certainly in the end uh for uh you know international global uh, affairs and uh just good old getting along this from the qz.com the annual meeting of the g20 that's the leaders of the world's 19 wealthiest nations plus the european union is traditionally greeted with fierce anti-globalization protest and last weekend's summit in hamburg is no exception especially with the presence of united states president don trump germany has the presidency of the g20 this year and put the agenda of topics almost guaranteed that riled up the president, including climate change, free trade, and helping immigrants and refugees. Trump has already pulled the world's largest economy out of the group's major climate agreement and is expected to suggest new tariffs and trade hurdles. The violence and tension aside, the summit is still vital for global economic stability. It is the only time the leaders of the world's top economies may be gathered in one room to discuss the economic challenges in the world. Despite the rise in nationalist and protectionist sentiment in the United States, the United Kingdom, and elsewhere, trade is still what powers the global economy. It accounts for just over 58% of the global GDP. This went viral earlier this week. Australian journalist, he works for ABC as a correspondent and contributor. His name is Chris Ullman. 
The G20 became the G19 as it ended. On the Paris Climate Accords, the US was left isolated and friendless. But given that that was always going to happen, a deft president would have found an issue around which he could rally most of the leaders. And he had the perfect one, North Korea's missile tests. So where was the G20 statement condemning North Korea, which would have put pressure on China and Russia? Other leaders expected it. They were prepared to back it, but it never came. There's a tendency among some hopeful souls to confuse the speeches written for Trump with the thoughts of the man himself. He did make some interesting scripted observations in Poland about defending the values of the West and he's in a unique position. He's the one man who has the power to do something about it. But it's the unscripted Trump that's real, a man who barks out bile in 140 characters, who wastes his precious days as president at war with the West's institutions like the judiciary, independent government agencies and the free press. He was an uneasy, lonely, awkward figure at this gathering and you got the strong sense that some of the leaders are trying to find the best way to work around him. Donald Trump's a man who craves power because it burnishes his celebrity. To be constantly talking and talked about is all that really matters. And there is no value placed on the meaning of words. So what's said one day can be discarded the next. So what did we learn? We learned that Donald Trump has pressed fast forward on the decline of the United States as a global leader. He managed to isolate his nation, to confuse and alienate his allies and to diminish America. He will cede that power to China and Russia, two authoritarian states that will forge a very different set of rules for the 21st century. Some will cheer the decline of America, but I think we'll miss it when it's gone. And that's the biggest threat to the values of the West, which he claims to hold so dear. Oh, those crazy liberal Australians. What are you going to do? Hey, guys, I appreciate you finding the show. Just uh, I, I hope it didn't come across as an attack on the millennials today because I really, 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 really do value a lot of their friendships and the the work that they're doing in the country a lot of times is incredible and youth is great. <laughs> you, you appreciate youth the more you lose it. You also appreciate wisdom the more you gain it. And there's a fine line between the two. On the way out from the hashtag best show ever, on April 16, 2016, in Greenville, South Carolina, Pearl Jam played Versus, the 1993 album, in its entirety for the first time in the band's history. So you got to hear a couple of songs that you would have never heard anywhere else, generally speaking. You might have got lucky and caught one here and there, but overall, just like any band, there's a handful of songs that don't ever get played. And from that album, there was at least two, one of them being this song, Rats. They don't eat don't sleep, they don't feed, they don't seed. They don't push, they don't crowd, they don't conjugate until they're much too loud. They don't drink the blood of their so-called best friend. They don't scam, they don't fight. They don't oppress any equals given rights. They don't starve the poor so they can be well fed. They don't line the holes with the dead one's bread. They don't scurry when something bigger comes their way. They don't pack themselves together and run as one. They don't shit where they're not supposed to. They don't take what's not theirs. They do not compare. Rats. They don't compare. And of course, the sarcasm, that's exactly what rats do. And unfortunately, so do many human beings. Do not be a rat. Do not be a fraud. Truth is easy to remember. 
and I ask you to continue to watch this space. Ben, the two of us need look no more.